You're listening to an exclusive podcast with the UCLA Radio News Team. Welcome to UCLA Radio News Hour at 4 p.m. My name is Sophia Donskoy, and I am here in the booth with a couple of special guests today. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, my name is Joe Rainey. I'm the editor-in-chief and founder of the Bruin Review. Uh, I'm Rushab Nagori, supporting editor of the Bruin Review. And just really quickly, you guys want to get into what the Bruin Review is? It sounds really, really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, The Bruin Review was actually founded just this year in January, um, and we're a publication devoted to widening the distribution of discourse on campus. So we basically think that not enough people disagree about things on campus, or Mm -hmm. if they do, they don't pursue disagreement. And we think disagreement is the best method and tool for the pursuit of truth. And so that's what we're trying to do is expand more disagreement on campus. That's really interesting. So about how many people are in Bruin Review. I know you guys are like a publication, right? Mm-hmm. So when do you guys publish? What are the details of that? Yeah, so we published one so far, and we just ordered a second print edition. Awesome. Um, Rishab, can you tell a little bit about like how many people we have and the society we have going? Of course. So the way we structure the society is we have weekly meetings on Tuesday, and it's not really an official membership except for the board members, which is to facilitate more and more people to come in without you know being committed to the club just so they can come in enjoy the discussion if they're not interested in writing mm-hmm. but yeah we have we have more than 50 people on the email list for our weekly meetings yeah That's... almost 50 people who have contributed as well so the turnover for each person who writes for the publication uh is is very heavily so very heavy so a lot of the writers that we get are fresh we haven't mm-hmm. even seen their written before you know writing before so That's really really interesting so how do you guys distribute so we actually distribute by hand. Wow. Um, last time we printed was week one of this quarter. Mm-hmm. And we went out on campus. We went near MS and on Bruin Walk and distributed over 1,400 copies. Wow. Yep, and actually under four hours. That's so, crazy. Yeah, so a lot of so them. went out quick, right? And it's a yes. free publication, I'm assuming. It is. It is. It is. That's that's very important. How do you guys get funding for that? Are you school funded? Are you guys independent? So we are independent. That's we get awesome. funding from an organization called Collegiate Network. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of our revenues are starting to come from subscriptions. Wow. So we get people who are in UCLA or just outside of UCLA and are curious about the Bruin Review, and they pay $50 a year, and they essentially get each one of our print editions mailed directly to them. Uh, we also take donations. Uh, if any of the listeners are actually wanting to support us online, you can go to our, our webpage, BruinReview.com, and go to the donate page. Um, but that's that's our main source of revenue right now. Wow, that's really awesome that you guys are already, you know, you're such a fresh and new publication and you guys have a lot of support, it seems like, which is really, really important. Definitely. Um, so really quickly, I wanted to plug our own donation campaign. Oh, yeah. um, us here, we here at UCLA Radio are also completely independent, completely student run, completely pretty much student funded. We don't get any funding from the school, which is why I'm able to have you guys on because we're not regulated. We're not on radio airwaves, you know. So it's a great, yeah, (laughs) it's a great privilege um, to be a part of UCLA radio and definitely has made a huge impact on my experience here at UCLA so far. So if anyone is willing or interested in donating to either of our organizations, uh, go for it. You said your website is BruinReview.com, right? That's it. Yeah. And right now we are in the month of our pledge drive, which is May. And you can donate at spark.ucla.edu slash UCLA radio. You can get a tax deduction for donating to us because we're mm. 501c3. If you donate more than $20, $20 or more, you get some merch um, and just lots of lots of cool stuff. And you, of course, get to support this wonderful independent news source that has been just thriving um, this past year. So I'm really lucky to have you guys. I think it's super interesting what you're doing. Um, let's see. So what kind of issues do you usually talk about in Bruin Review? Oh my gosh. There's, there's such a wide distribution, which, which is great because that's part of our thesis is the distribution of the discourse we have. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it ranges from anything from innovation to the, the, the morality of monopolies to Mm -hmm. free speech and fake news and, Gosh, what else have we talked about, Rishab? Yeah, most meetings we switch very rapidly between very different topics, you know, yeah. literally from philosophy to Tinder. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, 
Yeah, it switches around a lot, but we try to keep topics usually to uh, social discourse, political discourse, um, philosophy, and innovation. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Um, I definitely support. So what days do you guys meet exactly for the listeners who might want to? Yeah, know, so join? we have an open discussion every Tuesday mm-hmm. at um, 7 p.m. in Bolter 4413. Cool. So if you're able to navigate through Bolter and find your <laughs> way through, um, you'll find us in 4413. Um, and we literally sit there. Each week is a new moderator. So yeah. someone who typically comes a lot during the weeks, We it's a new person each week, and they come with three topics that they want to talk about. Um, last week, uh, I believe Praveen, who's actually the contact who, how we met Sophia, yes. um, he came with three topics. What were they? Brexit? Uh, um, should media be centralized? And one was, uh, how valuable is data? Will it be the new oil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it. That was it. actually he, him and I had a conversation about that. Yeah, love for me. He's such a super cool kid. Yeah, um, and I'm glad he put me in contact with you guys and your organization because I think what you guys are doing is really important. Um, a lot of the times with media organizations here at UCLA, you tend to get like a very biased view, you know, we're, yeah. we're a pretty liberal school. Sure. Um, that's the perception, right? We've got a lot of activism going on here, which is great, I think, but it all tends to be towards one side, right? Yes, and right. it's really interesting that you guys have this organization to me because I'm a public affairs major. And during my last class, actually, Luca over there was in the class with me, PA20, and him and I stood on completely different sides of this issue. Nice. Um, we were talking about polarization in the U.S., right? Okay. How, mm-hmm. how people are just becoming increasingly polarized, um, how policy is becoming in- mm-hmm. increasingly polarized. And I personally don't think that's a good thing. I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of people, I think especially a lot of people from California, I think that that's a good thing because people are very set in their views. You sure. know, They have a lot of great solutions, and I completely see that side, but I just think that's where I stand. However, yeah, like I said, with this like polarizing climate and most people here all the way to the left, it really is important to sort of find not only common ground, but be able to like discuss multiple sides of one issue. I think that's part of sure. being like, a learned person, you know, being able to understand and not be so set in your ways all the time. So I'm really excited and really interested in speaking with both of you. Thank you. Yeah. It's yeah. very interesting yeah. that you bring up the discussion you had with your friend where you were on complete opposite sides. Yeah. Because that's what we're trying to promote. Uh, more and more people align with other people who share political or sociopolitical opinions that match with their own. And that's not, that eventually means an echo chamber where yeah. they're, they're never opposed in their views and they're never asked to justify their opinion. You know, yeah. mo- most debates end up in heated arguments, not debate about the issue itself. And that's what we're trying to change here. Yeah, I think that that term you used, echo chamber, is actually a really, really important term. Um, do you guys want to, like, define what that means to you? Because yeah. I know that that's really important. Oh, yeah. I'd actually, I'd actually also like to make a distinction really quick. Yeah. Um, I think there's a difference between what y'all were talking about and how y'all were disagreeing. Yeah. So a lot of people might say that because you were disagreeing, y'all were polarized on the issue. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's not necessarily true. For sure. Because um, polarization typically arises uh, when things are stagnated, right? Yes. When those two, two disagreements completely stand where they are for an extended period, right? No one, right. Go, no one remains open-minded. Exactly. It's just kind of like sticking there. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, the echo chamber comes in, mm-hmm. um, where people essentially, you know, on the right or on the left or on any different... Um, distribution of opinions when they're sticking in on their side and they only listen to that stuff on that side. Right. And that's what we're trying to break out of, right? That's the echo chamber that happens everywhere and especially online, especially yes. through social media. Um, I actually don't think that the the disparate opinions between the polarization that's happening is a bad mm-hmm. thing. I think that's right. probably a good thing. Yes, right. Um, but the sticking there, the stagnating exactly. in your own peaks that's not good. Especially especially that and when it comes to policy, you know, in the US, um, having this polarization, things aren't gonna get done, yes. right? Unless unless we have like majority on both the House and the Senate. Anyway, uh, sure. enough enough politics, right? Yeah. So today we're gonna be talking about fake news. Um, but before we get into that, and it's interesting we talk about echo chambers, because that's like a really, really big important part of fake news and you know, news media. Before we get into that, we're gonna take a quick music break. Uh, and before we do that, if you guys want to plug your social media, your contact info, feel free to do so. Yeah. Okay. So I deleted all my social media. Oh my God, me too. That's so funny. Not, I'm okay, literally. So I kept Twitter though. 
I kept Twitter. I keep I keep Twitter and Facebook. Facebook because I uh, call my mom on Facebook. Shout out, mom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I also use Twitter sometimes because yeah. memes. Of yeah. course. Well, right. I'm not on there for the memes. I'm on there for like the disagreements. It's great. Oh, okay. Twitter fights. It's okay. fantastic. <laughs> it's good stuff. All right. So well, yeah, we for our Bruin Review social yeah. media, we're at Bruin Review on basically everything: Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, and Facebook. So find us, like us, follow us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also have the Bruin Review memes page. We do. Oh, really? In less than a month, we went from zero to twelve, over twelve hundred followers. Wow, um, I love that. And frankly, it's got some damn good memes. Oh so my god, can memes. we like can UCLA Radio News repost some of your oh, guys' no, memes? Do. Well, well, we promise to give you full credit, Luca over there, who I keep mentioning, um, is also our social media manager right. for UCLA Radio News. Nice. Yeah, now he's the treasurer of UCLA Radio. Oh, fancy! I know. Wow. So he controls all the money. So you know, nice. we'll, be, we'll be getting the person some who controls the meme at Bruin Review is called the King of Memes. <gasps> Oh my God, I should make that a position within my department. We just elected a new podcast manager. We should get a meme manager. King of memes. Oh my God, that's fantastic. Meme Lord. Lord. Oh my God, I love this. I love love this organization already. (laughs) Um, So yeah, make sure you guys follow them at Bruin Review, right? And at Bruin Review Memes. Yes. Uh, Make sure everyone's following at UCLA Radio and at UCLA Radio News. I guess we'll start with the definition of fake news, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. and I just pulled this up off of the Cambridge English Dictionary. False news, fake news, is false stories that appear to be news spread on the internet or using other media usually created to influence political views or as a joke. Mm. That is the one of the official definitions, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's pretty accurate. Would you guys agree? Just so that we were all on the same page, you know, unless Definitely. you want to expand yeah. upon that. No, I would actually expand it a little bit mm-hmm. into also information that we think is true at the same time, but ends up being false. Right, exactly. So it looks to be completely true, right? You, yeah. you read this article, um, and so turns out even, it's not true. I would even say that, like, you know, one point when we thought the the sun rotated around the Earth, exactly. that was fake news. That is, <laughs> that's true. That's like the the antiquated fake news. That's yes. a very very good point. Um, and obviously, a lot of that, you know, has we've shifted in paradigm, right, since then. But so fake news, I think this whole issue mostly came about around the 2016 election. Would you agree? I definitely think it was taken advantage of. Right. That. Okay. That's when exactly. it became a talking point for everyone. Exactly. exactly. I think the motivation was high enough then um, and the value to be able to be captured was high enough that, that people yeah. really started to take advantage of it. Yeah, right. And especially because we're now living in this really digital space where, where information spreads so quickly. Earlier we were talking about echo chambers, which we can get into a little bit later on. Um so this, it was just like perfect climate, mm-hmm. I would say, right, for fake news. We had two very different candidates, you know, sure. people on all sides um, of, you know, the election. So fake news, I would say that was when it was mostly brought to like the public eye, right, the public mm-hmm. attention, this whole term of fake news. I don't know when this definition was created, but I want to say it's fairly recent. They just added it to like a bunch of dictionaries. Mm -hmm. So going off of that, you know, why do we think fake news sort of made its way out around then? Yeah. Um, I I really think that it has to do with the advantage of using social media and the echo chambers that exist. Right. Um, That polarization that we were talking about earlier where it's okay that the people hold those opinions, but it's not okay that those are the only opinions that people are hearing. Uh, that kind of echo chamber event that's coming on, you know, in social media where you can dictate who you follow and what information you get. Right. Um, I think that kind of just extrapolated all the ideas of, you know, being able to take advantage of people listening to the only their one side of the view. Mm-hmm. And the other side for me is uh, there's two parts of it for me. One in 2016, when we had the presidential election, this was one of the most personal feeling presidential election ever. That is very true. Um, it wasn't It wasn't Donald Trump's policies versus Hillary Clinton's policies for most of the campaign. It was, it was their Donald personalities. Trump versus Hillary Clinton, right? Yes. Which means, which leaves a lot of space for people to attack each other personally, create fake stories about each other's history, mm-hmm. etc. But the other point is, uh, as Joe mentioned about the echo chambers and polarization, once you get far enough to, into your own corner, you believe anything that comes from a source that you think is on your corner. Yeah. And that's why yeah. fake news yeah. became much more prevalent too because people were believing everything they're yeah. hearing that sounded good to their side. So my opinion that that's actually the problem. It's it's that people um, actually believe what they hear. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's my strife with it. And that's actually why I'm okay with fake news. 
So I actually support no policies that actually restrict fake news. And when you when you say policies, do you mean legislative policies or do you mean policies like by the organizations or like institutions themselves? Like, for example, let's say yeah. Facebook institutes a new algorithm, which I think they have mm-hmm. uh, or like oh, a yeah. new reporting system, right, to prevent fake news. Yes. Do you yeah. include that in your term of policies or do you um, just mean like legal policies? I would. I wouldn't put the same enforcement of my idea on private companies as I would and by private companies, I just mean non-public as in non-government. Exactly, um, right. As compared to um, a government entity. Yeah. So I don't think we should even be close out in the conversation that a government entity should be legislating. I agree. I agree. I don't think that that's within, you know, range yeah, of free speech. Bounds. Yeah, I now, mean. when it comes to something like Facebook, it's it's hard to say because that's they are their own company. You know, exactly. they, they are owned by their shareholders. And I don't think that should be, anything should be done about them restricting their algorithms. But on a moral perspective... Um, I don't think they should be. Okay, I see what you mean. Exactly. I think they, they should be, you know, allowing any kind of speech possible. Yeah. Um, and another reason for that is inevitably news isn't always objective. 100%. So, <laughs> we here at UCLA Radio News know that. Yeah. Exactly. So when, when you have the same piece of information, you could be listening to two very different but true stories because it depends on what part of that entire piece of information you're using to make your point, which means that if you allow massive private companies or government entities to control fake news, it becomes very subjective as to what fits into their fake news definition. Right. And they, they have a much bigger control over, you know, anything that goes against their own worldview or that's, their own interests. That's definitely a problem is anybody kind of setting the definition for anything. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Know? So... Speaking of that, you know, we keep referencing like the media, right? These organizations, these publications who are putting out fake news. Where do you guys think it lies? I mean, I am a journalist and you Mm -hmm. guys are journalists too, in in a sense, right? More or less. Um, Right. We're, you know, we're all college journalists here. Where do you guys think, you know, the responsibility lies for journalists writing a story? You know, can they develop this narrative and put it out for the world or should they, you know, research and responsibly express their opinions. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, I split a little bit of a dichotomy here right. uh, when talking about journalists. Um, I have no problem with journalistic bias. Right. Uh, as long as you're own honest about it. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, I think that they have an imperative to express their opinions because they're intelligent, you know, persons. They, yeah. they should express their opinions. And actually suppressing their own opinions is going to somehow, obviously, they're going to still kind of express their opinions and how they do their research and stuff. Yeah. So no matter what, you can't mitigate it completely. Yeah. Um, so what I advocate for is enough people pursuing a publication of enough perspectives that it gets evened out, that the yeah. distribution evens out. Instead of each person trying to say, no, I'm going to try to mitigate my personal bias, my, per- my personal political or otherwise bias, and try to you know pursue objective results. Um, Yes, I think you should you know pursue objective results, but at the same time, you should be honest with yourself and say, "Yeah, my bias is going to be in there no matter what." Yeah, you know I think I, mean? I think that's really true. Do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, just to add a little bit more uh, and link that back to our organization and what we're trying to do here. Yeah, uh, we we've come to accept sort of that people have inherent biases that you know will show up in their writing regardless of sure. how objective they try to be, simply because. We're not machines, you know, we have yeah. we have ideas, we have incentives, and we want to say things sometimes that, you know, that fall in with our own interests. And that's why we try to do these head-to-heads. That's oh, yeah. one of the most interesting yeah. things for me. Tell me about it. Yeah, so <laughs> the, way, the way we do it is we, you know, if there's someone who stands very far on one side for one topic, we, we find someone who falls on the opposite side. Yeah. And then we have them both write pieces for their own argument and publish both side by side in our print edition. Which means, you know, you can, for very subjective issues, you can define fake news or try to be objective. For All sure. you can do is try to present both sides fairly. That's yeah. what we're trying yeah. to do. Yeah, In I literally agree. our last print edition, we actually, um, uh, I tend to be very pro-capitalist. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote the capitalist section of a socialism versus capitalism head to head. And what we did was me and Isaiah, the other author, uh, sat down for almost two hours and we came up with two questions that we were going to ask ourselves. Um, he came up with a question that, that attacked capitalism and it's, you know, where it was most sensitive. And mm-hmm. I did the same for socialism. Yeah. We both answered each other's questions. Oh, and, that's and so interesting. This, yeah. And the next print edition, which is coming out late next week. So 
you know, be on That's the really lookout. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to grab a copy. You guys, you got to save Absolutely. me one at least. I'm really excited. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll take them over here. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's really important, especially, like I said, whether or not you guys view yourselves as journalists, but as writers, sure. for the least, this this open discourse is super important. And I feel like what you guys are doing is actually pretty important in terms of like the sphere of fake news, because the fact that you are able to get journalists to work together from either side, yeah. you know, to sit down and work together for two hours on someone yes. on something with someone who you completely disagree with mm -hmm. is just really interesting. And I hope that, you know, maybe in the future when people maybe these people that you're working with do become journalists that they have that sort of same holistic perspective right that same diverse perspective Definitely. that's something that we're working to bring in here at UCLA Radio News yeah. and I think that's really important so it's really great that you guys are doing that um, that being said a lot of publications don't do that mm -hmm. right we have a lot of super right-wing publications mm -hmm. super left-wing publications not I, I would say nowadays, like, you can find a moderate news source or an unbiased news source. I don't know, for example, like, AP, where you just get the dry press release, and then you go ahead and you write your story in your perspective based sure. off of that press release. Um, so what do you guys think the future of media is in relation to fake news? I know that's a really broad question. Yeah. But. Um, I actually I have, I have quite a few opinions on how we can get there mm -hmm. um, to a better state, right? Yeah. I really think the innovations, the answer to this, and, and Rochelle's probably going to go over there and chuckle because in almost every of the open discussions um, that we have yeah. at the Bruin Review, I end up like somehow tailoring my perspective back to innovation. That's funny. I think That's innovation true. is like, if you're innovating enough, most problems get solved within a, a reasonable amount of time. I agree. I agree with you. And it's really funny that, I don't know, just complete sidetrack, but uh -huh. everyone who listens to this show knows I always tie everything back to college admissions somehow. Nice. So that's really funny that you have yeah. your own tie-in as well. Yours is probably a little bit more applicable, but continue. <laughs> so um, I definitely think that we can get to a state by incentivizing people to disagree. Mm -hmm. Um I really think that's possible. Uh, I, I don't know how right now. Obviously, yeah. if I knew how, I would be trying to pursue it. Yeah. And I guess, I I mean, guess we're I think trying you our are. own method right now. Yeah, yeah we are. I think you are. For sure. Um, but I definitely think that if we were to incentivize disagreement, because right now online, what we're incentivizing is, you know, this this very uh, ostensible and it's kind of this facade of uh, encouraging others. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. That's great. Like posts, whatever, you know, retweet them, whatever. That's totally fine. Yeah. That's great. And it's actually probably a good thing. Uh, but I think a superfluous amount of that can create these echo chambers. Yeah. Now, what we're lacking is an incentive to disagree, right? We have no function for dislike. Um, you can do that through like shit posting and retweeting something and yeah. actually like throwing ad homonyms, but that's yeah. not the right way. You know, yeah. that's just arbitrarily offending someone yeah. for, for no, no gain in the discourse. You yeah. know, but if you were able to be incentivized, actually, you know, retweeting or sharing something and having to put your own perspective and back it up, then now I think it would create a wonderful solution. Yeah, um, disagreement. I actually I actually completely agree with you. Do you have anything to say on that? Yeah. Um, another thing for me is just for student organizations to step up and encourage dis disagreement, because very often people think that more or less their political worldview de defines them in Ooh, a certain sense. Yeah. And that that creates That's a divide true. between people that you cannot really uh, that you cannot really come back from. You know, you can't build bridges across two people who think their identity is defined by politics when they stand on completely different ends of the spectrum. Yes. So we have to decouple our identity with our political opinions and allow people to disagree and debate political opinions without feeling that it's their personal. Uh, personal life at stake. You know, I think that's a lot of the reason. I wrote a satire in this this next print edition that's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I poked I fun. <laughs> I poked fun of um, Gen Z, like our generation, right? right? Yeah. And I, I was basically making the point that we get offended too easily, and True. I think that that brings it in a little bit that, that we're very attached with what we think. You know. Yeah. Um, I heard I heard this ter term called dogsasticism um, from Taleb. Seem Taleb, you've read yeah. Taleb. Um, He's a philosopher that talks about risk and yeah. Doug's he's a traitor. <laughs> he is a traitor, bro. Yeah. He's yeah, he's yeah. a traitor. He's a um, pseudo philosopher. Yeah. Yes, he is. I, I love the guy. Yeah. And uh, his writing is arrogant as all get out, but I love it for <laughs> yeah. that okay. because he's dogsastic, right? So he knows what he believes and he stands by it and he holds firmly to it. But at the same time, if the instant that he sees something's better, he will let go what he holds and he'll go after it. Um, what I like to say that it's you, you hold on to your opinions strongly while you do not see something better. And a lot mm -hmm. of people, what they do right now is they're not looking for something better. 
they're still just holding up to theirs. Yeah. And my argument, and this is what I wrote in the thesis of the Bruin Review in our first print edition, was that there's always going to be something better. Of course. Um, your truth, you, you know, you hold, you know, whatever you think to be true, right? If I think that the earth rotates around the sun, I could think that. But I could also know something a little bit more better that proves that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. right? So what I know now, maybe I don't know the exact equation that, that shows the rotation um, around the around the sun, right. right? But if I knew that equation, I think it'd be a better argument for my stance. Exactly. Right? I completely agree. Educating yourself yes. is especially within this realm of media that we're so consumed by right now. Educating yourself is top priority, especially in terms of like things like fake news, which again I'll get into in a second. Mm -hmm. um, I have an interesting statistic, Ooh. but things things that. Um, you know, we're just so involved in the sphere of media, the sphere of like social media. We get our information very differently than most people do nowadays. And people are really lacking in research skills is yeah. what a lot of studies have found is people our age are lacking in being able to understand whether or not a source is reputable, mm -hmm. you know, being able to differentiate the biases or the opinions of others in their writing. And, sure. you know, I think, like you said, it's really important to acknowledge your bias when you're talking or when you're writing a piece or editing something. You mm -hmm. know, you have to you have to tell people what side you're on if you do take a really strong position. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to go back to what you guys are saying about people really taking in their political identities as their personal identities. I completely agree, especially coming to a school like UCLA. You see everyone and it's just like this automatic brand. And like I can look at a person most of the time and be like, okay, I know which, I know which side you stand on, yep, you know? Yep, yep. Um, it's, but the background of that is like, are these people really educated, you know, on, mm -hmm. on what they're thinking? Oh, my phone just fell. It's fine. Anyway, point being democratic or Republican is not a personality trait. Like <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I really want to put that out there. Absolutely. Um, I'm from Florida and nice. I'm from Georgia. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm from India. So I can oh, wow. <laughs> no, okay. So we're all geographical. But this is here. exactly. Uh -huh. I love that. But but what's really interesting is that you know coming from out of state, mm -hmm. I come here and like I said, everything is super left. And I'm from a place where that's not necessarily the mm -hmm. case. And mm -hmm. it's it's really funny because back home, I was considered like liberal. You know, oh, yeah. here. I don't really know what I'm considered anymore. <laughs> sure. Like yeah. you're yeah. you're in this sphere of just constant political discourse, which is great. We're in a university environment, like I said, all educating ourselves, and I think that's really mm -hmm. important. But you really do need to to dive deeper into it and understand, like, just in general, like people's backgrounds. A lot of the people here just grew up in, in a place that didn't have that sort of. Not, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of people didn't grow up in a place with a diversity of thought. You know, they didn't yes. get to see yes. both sides of a political issue and honestly i mean florida voted republican in the last primaries mm -hmm, yeah. and our new um governor is a republican so point being it really does part of it depends on like your personal background as well a lot of people um there is something that they taught us in ap gov that your parents obviously like instill their political values into you they they raise you sure. with these political values and you have to, a lot of people don't acknowledge that. They think that these ideas are their own. You know, they think mm -hmm. that like, oh yeah, this is what I believe. This is what I firmly believe. Even if you are following your parents. And I have a lot of friends back home on both sides who are either A, Republican because their whole family is Republican or B, Democrat because, you know, their whole family is has yeah. Democratic values. So regardless, like I said, if anyone's listening, just acknowledge your biases, you yeah. know, and, and be able to justify and, back up everything you have to say mm -hmm. with like some mm -hmm. sort of research because it sounds it sounds really ignorant when people are just talking and they're like mm -hmm. oh x leads to y yeah. you know yeah. with no with no z no no background knowledge whatsoever yeah yeah and, and i think it's, it can be a little bit of a blanket statement to say acknowledge your biases because i don't think a lot of people actually know how and yeah. a lot of people aren't yeah. even aware that they have biases exactly exactly um i think a lot of people when they hear that they think oh i have to acknowledge in some respect that I'm wrong about something. And it's it's not that not when you say I'm biased about this, it's not that you're wrong about that. Of it's course. that you could be wrong. Yeah. You know? It's holding that idea in your head, oh yeah, there always could be something a little bit better. There also could be something a lot better, you know, that I'm totally mis miscalculating. Yeah. yeah. There could be something worse too. But yes. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the funny irony here is that increasingly people, as we talked about before, people are linking their personal identity more and more to their political identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And still, because of how much their political identities are influenced by people around them, I think idiosyncratically, most of them don't have a political identity. That's yeah. that's really funny. It's like yeah. almost ironic, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like you're you're aligning with this political identity, but really, what is your? Well, I mean, this could get deep, you know? Like, oh, what yeah. is what is my identity? Who <laughs> yeah. am I? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Um, but I actually, it, it, if you want to go to that a little bit, um, I sure. definitely think that <laughs> what you think is it does not go into you. Um, what you are, but it's what you do. That's true. Oh, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. That is, oh my God, I always talk about that on this show. A lot of it, yeah, a a lot of things I talk about are like, no matter what you believe, like there is always an outlet for you to get involved, right? No matter, we were talking about like corruption in my class with Praveen actually, we were taught, which is how I connected with him over this in the first place. We were talking about corruption in the government and how a lot of like people don't know where their taxpayer money is going. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying, you know, if you really care that much about certain things, why don't you go and get involved in it? Yes. You know, we had a we had a student in our class who worked with his school district and was volunteering with his school district. And if you have the time, which I would say a lot of college students might not, but sure. you can make time for things that you're passionate about. Yeah, you, you can, can make this you can make this a project of yours. There really is a method to get like involved on a grassroots level. And I think that's the beauty of living in yes. this country, you know, is that like there's always someone that needs help, always an organization that needs help that you can go and help out with. But I always encourage people to, you know, get involved with things that they're passionate about because yeah. that's the only place you're really going to make a change, right? That's the only place where your actions, I mean, your words can mean anything. And hopefully, you know, you say something that changes someone's mind someday mm-hmm. or maybe someone changes your mind, you develop a greater understanding of something, et cetera, et cetera, right? But like the most fulfillment you're going to get is when you like, act on something and then you get you just feel rewarded you know you make you make a difference right right? and i think i think that's um a common thing is like we can't just be sitting here behind our screens Mm. sharing fake Mm -hmm. news real news stories and expecting something to happen you know i think i think part of it is you really have to involve yourself i actually think i'd make the moral case that You shouldn't supremely care about something if you're not doing anything about it. I agree. Oh, I, I completely. I mean, if you think about it just in any context, there are people dedicating their lives, yes. you know, yeah. to to causes they believe in. Yeah. And no, nothing will kind of push my buttons more is when a physicist points out something about politics or an expert <laughs> in some random field points out something in another field that they don't even know anything about or don't do anything in. Right. Um, or a bunch of Hollywood stars. Yes, or Hollywood yes. stars. Oh, that is so they true. They spend their industry. life acting oh, like man. they're someone else. And so now they're going to give us advice about <laughs> yeah. how to spend our tax dollars. It's a great know, thing. Great it's... thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really think that unless you're doing something, this is why I don't really involve myself. And this is one of the reasons I got off social media mm-hmm. uh, was because I really got sucked into the politics thing. Yeah. And I realized I'm doing nothing about it except shit posting on social media. <laughs> R slash UCLA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very and, active on there. <laughs> and uh, I realized that that's not doing enough. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to actually care about these things, then I had to do more. And I decided that I didn't want to do more in the politics arena. So that's when I decided, okay, I really shouldn't care. Because A, it's getting free written in my head. It's spinning, you know, these politicians are literally not doing anything. They're just living their lives, doing whatever, right? And mm-hmm. they're living rent-free in my head. Yeah, and, and that's true. I was not going to allow that anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, leave leave the space for that um that mental contemplation. You know, you get go. the get yeah. the politicians out of there. Yes. I agree. <laughs> so, so again, we're talking about fake news here. I think obviously the most important aspect of fake news is the dangers of fake news. Okay. Right. Yeah. This 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 can be pretty dangerous. The statistic I have is that according to NPR. 25% of voting age adults visited a fake news website supporting either Trump or Clinton mm-hmm. a week before the election. Sure. So how do we, well, I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, you know, with like research methods and stuff, yeah. but how do we help people differentiate between like what is real and what is fake news? I really appreciate your I, question because a lot of people question, you know, how do we get rid of these sites? Yeah, um, we don't. And I, yeah, we don't. <laughs> we, we don't. don't. No, no yeah. matter what. And my kind of philosophy on this, which you can add some more on, yeah. um, is that you should never lessen the war for the fighter. You should always just prepare the warrior for a harder fight. You know. <laughs> wow, <Yeah>. that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the, sort of the idea is that if you find a way, if you somehow find a way, even though I believe that most news is subjective, but if you're able to devise a way to make most news, most fake news, go away. 
you're making people more complacent. That's true. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, bullshit point, me- they're bullshit meters. They're bullshit like, meters like, like just stops working. At this point, whenever I visit any web page and any news site that claims something hard to believe, I don't believe it. I go on, yeah. I do my own research, and then I believe or not believe it based on what I find. But if you convince people that everything you read on the internet is going to be true, that creates the danger of people believing anything. You know, I think like a healthy level of skepticism is the base for any intelligent society. I agree. I agree. And especially in journalism, I think a high level of skepticism is super important. And I think if you take it back to UCLA, where we are right now, Mm -hmm. I think it's great that we have like a really holistic approach to education, you know, like a more liberal arts approach to education. I really appreciate that in the sense that like, for example, people are going to be taught the skills of research no matter what they study. Right. Well, that's here at an institution like UCLA. I'm not saying all schools are like this. Um, But I think something what you're saying really reminds me of the scientific method. Right. Mm, Like Mm -hmm. you, you really have to go super thorough super research into everything, have a question, like a specific question that you're trying to answer mm-hmm. and either prove yourself right or prove yourself wrong, but yeah. you need to do the research. So I think that that's super duper important. Yeah, I think I think essentially I do agree with both of you in that um, limiting fake news is going to be really difficult anyway as an organization. Like how are you going to sit there and differentiate between what's right and wrong? Because there are so many smaller independent publications, you know, even here UCLA Radio, we have our blog. If someone posts something on the blog and, I don't know, Facebook might filter it out in its algorithm of, like, what's real and what's not real, then that's another person's voice being canceled. And that's just, like, another repercussion of doing something like regulating fake news. But also, like you said, the bullshit meter, kind of, uh, that's a really interesting point. Like, people are going to lose what they're able to determine as real and fake. However, I do think that you know, a lot of people don't have that to begin with, yes, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Um, just from what I saw during the 2016 mm-hmm. election, mm-hmm. I, again, saw people on both sides because I was back home at that time. Um, and I would say there was a definitely much more diverse range of thought um, online. But I would see for a lot of like parents, you know, grandparents yeah. reposting certain things. And they don't necessarily, I think that amongst people my age, and maybe I'm in like a biased sample, but amongst people sure. my age, we're pretty pretty quick to determine, you know, what's real and what's not real. Yeah. I think mostly right. people who aren't like super experienced with social media or like how things work online, they sort of just read the headline and they share it. So do you guys think that there's any way to encourage people to like actually sit down and do the research? Well, I don't, I don't see a way unless people are motivated to find a way which is sort of that's a circular so definition. Mm-hmm. But if you're Are not... Are you? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not really motivated in the pursuit of truth, no one can motivate you to spend extra time mm-hmm. and verify if what you're reading is true. Because, you know, coming back to uh, Taleb, the writer he was mentioning mm-hmm. before, uh, there's this psychological phenomenon I'm sure most of you have heard of called confirmation bias. Of course. Yeah. Where, you know, you look for facts and... Uh, you look for facts and statistics that support your argument. Right and you know try to ignore Versus everything. Versus via negativa. <laughs> exactly. Is that what you're gonna go into? Getting yeah, technical. Another, I like another, it. That's another point of Taleb's is via negativa. If I'm gonna like hijack your, your yes, dialogue. please do. Please do. Um, and he says that essentially you should pursue truth based on finding something that disproves your point, mm-hmm. um, and finding what doesn't work. So, for example, um, the the specific examples that he used is through experimentation. So things like. Uh, uh, Thomas Edison, um, before he found a light bulb, it was, it was literally he found a thousand ways for it not to work before he found the one way that it did yeah. work. Yeah, I, I think that, again, scientific method, you know, yeah. even even back to political science sure. is really, yeah. really important. Just these research skills are really important. And I think going off of that, one specific way I would like address the problem going forward if I were like a policymaker mm-hmm. would be diverting some sort of resources or having some sort of campaign to educate like younger students in media, you know, like educate students. I would, I know growing up I was taught this, but I know not everyone really has that privilege. Yeah. Um, educate teachers, educate students on how to properly research, sure. you know, how to properly comprehend and understand yeah. the things that we've been talking about this whole episode, right? That yeah. people have confirmation bias, that people have their own perspectives, ulterior motives, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. Um, Sorry, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned, uh, you know, educational institutions because did, in your opinion do you think we're doing enough UCLA is doing enough to even have political science majors for example understand these kind of 
Probably. I think they're doing too much. You think so? Doing- I actually do disagree with the point. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think generally saying like, oh, we should divert funds to educate more people mm-hmm. uh, is necessarily a great thing. Mm-hmm. Rashad knows that I also, I have another point that I bring a lot of these <laughs> discussions back to. And this is, I'm not Take a fan of away. education. I'm not a fan of like formalized Interesting. education. Yeah. Okay. So um, my opinion is that a lot of these formal educations does not promote curiosity like some methods do. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of kids should learn things at their own pace and at their own curiosities rather than vice versa. So for example, um, you know, back in the day when uh, the very wealthy of the day could afford to send their kids to school, a lot of them would just hire tutors. And yeah. the tutors would not just force them a curriculum on them. They would actually follow the kids' curiosities. Yeah. Right. So if a kid really wanted to um, build like a little race car or something like that mm-hmm. or a very small like, you know, toy or something of a specific thing, he would teach them the physics. He or she would teach them the physics behind it. So that they could fully understand it. Rather right? than teaching them physics and then showing them exactly. how to build a race car. Exactly. That's... Especially if you're not into race cars, how, how beneficial is that to you? Right. No, I, I totally understand that. Again, some people might not be compelled even yes. to research or want to learn research. And maybe, yeah, I am a little biased because I go yeah. to UCLA yeah. and and I like school and I like uh-huh. research. And that's, uh-huh. you know, one of the reasons I'm here. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that... It, it could be. It, it definitely could be a balance. I I would, I would say that that's not the only thing that we can or should do, right? Yeah. But I think another big thing which we have been doing this whole episode is acknowledging the problem, right? Yeah. No one's sitting here and saying fake news isn't real. Yeah, you know? yeah like all everything you read online is true. Like I'm glad. Uh-huh. I'm glad that you know. Wait, we don't believe true? that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we don't believe that. However, there are people in this world who truly believe that. Like, yeah, I mean, sure. sorry, mom, if you're listening, but my mom <laughs> sometimes will send me things. I'm like, mom, like this just, this ain't it, you uh, know? <laughs> I think that's probably all of our parents. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and, and I think that we, as a society, really general, yeah. you know, <laughs> scope, but yeah. we as a society just need to, First, acknowledge the problem, Definitely. right? And then Definitely. focus yeah. on addressing it. That's one of the reasons I think education might not be the best manner for it is because um, uh, people of the older generation especially um, do tend to be okay with, you know, they came from a generation where a lot of the information they heard, some of the most important information they heard, they heard from their parents. It was very trustworthy information, you know? They could probably trust that information. So when they were given the internet, it was kind of a thing of, okay, you know, maybe it is truthful because I'm, it's given to me, right? And promoting that cynicism that's maybe necessary for interacting with the internet yeah. um, is not there. Yeah, and so education for sure. is going to be going to a lot of the younger people, but maybe not the older people. Yeah, and the other yeah. side... Who are actually doing all the voting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other side of why so many people believe everything they read online is also until the internet, media was not decentralized in the way it is, which means you would have to have a lot of funding, a lot of, you know, for lack of a better word, reliability sure uh for you to publish something you know and everyone read that story but at this point i can create a facebook page get a few followers and Mm -hmm. post something that could be completely baseless Mm -hmm. and people might still believe it because it comes on their same feed you know right below the cnn piece Uh, is my piece mm -hmm. you know what i mean You're 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 a freeloader off the cloud. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cloud cloud would have been people, better. Yeah. People are people are always freeloading off of our cloud here at UCLA uh, Radio. <laughs> We're familiar with the, the problem. And, uh, no, no, it's a, this is a symbiosis. Uh, um, we actually have a chat, which is really funny. I think it's a, so. You know how we've been talking about like the older generation, not mm-hmm, really like. Mm-hmm always fully comprehending sure. fake news in just people in general right we have a parent who says what you mean fake news isn't real a parent <laughs> so someone's someone's mocking us someone's very smart parent is mocking us here uh, uh, but we appreciate uh, that cynicism right yes, like yes. if only there were more people like this and we have had a very productive i would say conversation yeah. on i hope this is how they always are a we really are. productive conversation on fake news and like the implications of that and possible, you know, solutions sure. that we can have regarding fake news and just like what it is. I think the general consensus, right, was awareness. Yes. That we have to be yeah. aware of, you know, what's going on, the sphere that we're living in. Yeah. Um, really quickly, I'm like kind of interested in your social media cleanse because I did it for a different reason. So okay. you said you did it to like escape the political side of things. Yeah. Uh, not Instagram. Instagram I just did because I thought it was like, 
a back scratching competition <laughs> of narcissism. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> that's why I got off Instagram. Uh, I really despise Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people on Twitter are trying to turn Twitter into Instagram. And it no, hurts my soul. Yeah. Yes, I don't like that. Don't post photos on Twitter. Don't, don't. Yeah, or, unless okay, it's statistic. Or that or Facebook. I hate when people oh, are like, my. my freshman year, and then they post oh, like God. all their pictures. Oh, I'm like, put, put that like away. An, it's like a catalog. Yeah. Do they realize it's only their mom who's actually going <laughs> Right, right. Exactly. I honestly hate people who post anything on Facebook now because photos are no-goes. Yeah. And events. Events are the only thing they use. That, yeah, that's true. That's political, really true. Political opinions, please don't post on Facebook. Yeah. Come no. to meeting. Got we can it. talk no, about that, it. <laughs> I, I think if really you're like funny. millennial or older, Facebook is the place for political opinions. But other than that, like right. all of us, I mean, obviously we're using different mediums. So, right. But yeah, for, for me, Facebook, I technically still have Facebook, but that's just because I'm one of the owners of the Bruin Review and I have to. I can't delete it. Right. right? Um, so other than that though, I don't use it. The only thing I use now is Twitter and Twitter is basically just because, so I don't want to go to journalism. I want to go into software engineering. Um, and a lot of VCs and stuff are on Twitter and Mm -hmm. they just give great advice for companies and for startups and for tech in general. And that's the only reason I'm on there. Yeah. That's really interesting. I did it more so, like you said, for like the narcissism aspect of it. But like, I think in general to bring it back to the whole fake news conversation, People on social media think that they're always right. Like they think that yes. everything they do is perfect. They try to put out like this perfect life. They think mm-hmm. that, you know, like their social media activism, which while it could be beneficial in some ways, it really is not like that beneficial. Social yeah. media should be a tool, you know, I yeah. think. Whether or not you want it to be a platform, that's a different story. You know, something like the Bruin Review mm-hmm. or UCLA Radio News is a platform. Yes. And maybe if you're going through those accounts, like that could be your platform. But in terms of like your personal account, um, I I agree that people tend to be really, really narcissistic on social media. Yeah. And I just, I think it's toxic for people <laughs> our age, especially, especially people who are trying to be productive, you know, like oh, hell yeah. you sit there, oh you God. sit there yeah. and you're just scrolling and scrolling, right? And you don't even care about any of it, you know? <laughs> it, it really is um, crazy how things are changing, how things like fake news are, are becoming much more popular than they would have been, right? Like, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I just feel ahead. like Facebook can never really be a platform for real discussion because of the way it's structured, sort of. Yeah. A, you can post anything without any oversight. Mm-hmm. You know, you're posting whatever you think, and people might take it for face value and take it to be facts, which is the biggest problem. Second, if it's your post, you can delete comments on your post. Exactly. I was, I was just thinking that. Yeah. You can just, you know, if someone says something that is particularly hurtful to your argument, you delete it. It's mm-hmm. gone. So yeah. what are your guys' opinions on Reddit? I'm curious. Oh, I actually mm-hmm. love Reddit. I love Reddit too. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoy it. I don't spend enough time on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish I didn't spend enough time <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, I definitely think it's a good thing for sure. And actually, I think some of the most genuine advice can come from Reddit. I agree. And yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. And I think, honestly, like, especially if you compare Reddit to other, like, online forums, like, I don't know if 4chan is still a thing, but... It is, but it's a little bit overridden by some... Exactly, exactly. Eccentric person. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So, point being, I think Reddit has done a great job of, like, facilitating important discourse, you know, and and they've done a great job with moderators who are real people. They've done a great job with like, you know, their posting rules and stuff like that. And I think that there's a lot to say about an organization that still encourages and promotes free speech, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't encourage or promote like hate speech or um, things that are going to be harmful to society. I'm not even sure if if you can find fake news on Reddit, but even if there were to be fake news on Reddit, you know someone would go, someone would fully research that, right. leave a comment, yeah. downvote, and and you know yeah. get now, on with their day. This might yeah. be a conversation for another day, but they are starting to limit speech based on uh, being offensive, and it's not oh, having to do with like the the basic, the most common definition of hate speech. Yeah. They are also doing it based on a little bit on taste. Right. Yeah. What yeah. I was going to mention huh, is. <laughs> Uh, what I was going to mention is it's interesting that you brought up Reddit because it circles back to how I believe we can solve this problem at all. Mm-hmm. So A, it has to be privately. I don't think public policy is going to do the work. I agree. It's because of bureaucracy. Uh, there's countless reasons why. Yeah, work. that, the Constitution, <laughs> you know. So there's yeah. that. And the Freedom other of thing speech. Is, <laughs> I'm going to be like, where's that? You yeah. know, First Amendment, right? Yeah. Like, And the other side is you realize Reddit is one of the most popular social media 
platforms, but yeah. it makes the least money. And that's another thing. When you go for a click-based model, you can't really stand for both honest discussion and a click-based model. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Reddit, Reddit is one of the most popular social media platforms, but it's making the least money. Yeah. Why? Because they're not, they're not going for making the most money. They're trying, they're trying to make their platform the best they can. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think these are mutually exclusive goals. Those are really hard to reconcile. Mm-hmm. That's why Facebook, for example, I don't see how they can really easily change what goes on on their platform. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, the accountability part. This is where actually where uh, cryptocurrency comes in uh, with, <laughs> a, with a weird respect. Um, yeah. I'm currently doing software engineering at a cryptocurrency company. Everpedia, mm-hmm. I'm wearing the shirt right now. Shout out to Sam and the Everpedia team. Everpedia. <laughs> um, yeah, everpedia.com. It's actually, it's basically Wikipedia on the blockchain. Oh, except cool. they have many more articles and they incentivize you by like actually paying you. Oh, that's articles. so cool. Yeah. That's super cool. And I actually think that news and software, you know, uh, social media in general, if there was some kind of accountability that's in like cryptocurrencies, like, mm-hmm. like what you're talking about, not incentivizing clicks, but incentivizing, you know, disagreement or something like mm-hmm. that, that would be a really good system. Yeah. And I think on that note, what you guys are doing is fantastic. Yeah, um, and I just wanted to thank you for coming in on the show. Well, thank we you are, for having us. We're running out of time, but yeah. I really, really appreciate having you here. And I hope to have you guys back sometime. Absolutely. That would be Hopefully, awesome. yeah, we'd we would it. we would we would love to continue like yeah. this sort of collaboration, this open discourse. Well, and as so, a reminder, we have open discussions in Bolter four four one three. 7 yeah. p.m. every Tuesday. And if you like this, this, there's usually a few more people so you're gonna there's, enjoy. Oh that. yeah, there's many more people and a lot more overlapping discussion we hop around it's great it's, it's fun. great that's fantastic yeah. well thank you guys so much um like i said donate to you guys bruinreview.com yes. and yep. donate to us on spark.ucla.edu reporting for ucla radio news i'm sophia donskoy <laughs>